Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome back to Inside Arsenal. It is Wednesday, I hope, wherever you are around this world of ours, you are having a very, very decent week as we head towards the weekend. Got match day two of the Champions League to look forward to tonight. Man City getting off in pretty comfortable fashion last night in their knockout rounds, beating Copenhagen 3-1 away. Pretty much job done already for them. Real Madrid winning as well, Arsenal, of course, now seven days away, exactly one week today, we will be waking up Wednesday morning, looking forward to Arsenal's first knockout game in the Champions League for, oh, what is it, it must be seven years now, seven or eight years, I can't even remember what it is, feels like it's been that long though, um, and I'll be heading over to Portugal on Tuesday for the press conference, and I'll be there on Wednesday, of course, for the match as well, very much looking forward to that, got plenty to talk about today, I'm going to get sucked into a bit of a debate that I probably shouldn't get sucked into today, but I kind of want to talk about it, and um, it's about Rio Ferdinand and his comments that he's made that have gone everywhere, that have been debated everywhere, that I'm seeing all over social media about how Saka's not world-class yet and Phil Foden is, Probably shouldn't get sucked into such a rubbish debate, but I did want to have my say on it. So I felt like, you know what, I'm going to do it today. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that. Um, also looking at plenty of questions and comments from you guys, sort of continuing on from the 10 out of 10 performances that I spoke about yesterday, which is quite an interesting debate, actually. I enjoy talking about it. And lots of you have got involved responding to that. So we'll look at some of those comments. Fabio Vieira, some positive injury news on him from Simon Collins over at The Standard. Uh, we'll look at that as well. So plenty to get stuck into. And we'll start with this Saka world-class debate that Rio Ferdinand has sparked off. He's sort of doubled down on it, really. He spoke about it on his podcast. And then yesterday after Man City's game, he was doing the game for TNT and he was talking afterwards in the post-match coverage with Laura Woods and Jodie and Lescott. And um, 
And they were talking about Phil Foden, who had another really good game. Uh, he scored again. And Laura was asking him, uh, Rio, about it and said, look, I think he is in the world-class category now. And then she said, well, why isn't Saka then? Because Rio had said in his podcast that Saka wasn't world-class yet. And um, so Laura Woods, understandably, said, OK, why not, why not Saka? And he said, this is what he said. He said, because I don't think he's done it at the top level, winning trophies in a team like this, you've got to understand and respect and appreciate Phil Foden has done this where the medals are handed out. He's performed. He's done that against the best teams consistently. Saka needs the opportunity to perform at that level, that level consistently. And then we'll see where he is. You can can consider him then, which quite frankly is just rubbish, I'm afraid. I, I hate this argument of, I've not done it in the Champions League. He's not been able to do it in the Champions League because Arsenal haven't qualified for the Champions League. That's not Saka's fault. That's Arsenal as a team collectively. That's their fault. Now, if Saka had been playing in the Champions League for the last two years, there's nothing, there's no evidence whatsoever to suggest he wouldn't be doing what he's already been doing in the competition so far this season uh, in the Champions League. Whatever level he stepped up to, whether it be Premier League, which, let's face it, is basically Champions League level. The best teams in the Premier League, the best four or five teams in the Premier League are always one of the favourites to, to win the Champions League because the Premier League's that good now. It's that difficult. Um, so as prestigious as the Champions League is, I'm not sure you can say, you know, I'd, I'd say the Champions League is easier to win than the Premier League. So I don't think see the Champions League is the elite level. That's what everything has to be measured against. That's the yardstick. Personally, I think the Premier League is. Um, and Saka's been doing it at that level for years now. When he goes up onto an international level for England at the World Cup, he does it. Any level he steps up at, and then the Champions League this season so far, he's done it. So any level he steps up at, he does it. And I don't think you can say that a player is just not world-class because he hasn't done it in the Champions League, because he's not been in that, um, been able to, or he hasn't been in a team that's that's won trophies yet. It's like, it's such an easy argument to make, I think. It's like, Harry Kane is absolutely world-class. There is no doubt in the world, in anyone's mind, who knows football that can say Harry Kane is not world-class. But because he's not won trophies, does that mean it, it, you know, it doesn't make sense? That argument doesn't make sense because there's plenty of examples of players who are world-class who haven't won trophies just because of their team they're playing in. And unfortunately for Saka recently, he's not been in a team that's been good enough to win trophies, but that's not his fault at all. I mean, you look at his numbers throughout. I mean, even this season, the pair of them are so combined. 23 appearances each. Saka scored 10. Foden's got eight. They've both got seven assists. Saka's got more key passes. Both got the same successful trip. They're both, in my view, they're both world-class. They're absolutely both world Phil Foden's world-class. Bukai Saka's world-class. They both pretty much walk into most teams. Maybe not absolute starting levels of both teams, but certainly into the first sort of 12, 13, 14 players of both teams. You know, if Saka goes to Man City, he plays all the time, in my opinion. He absolutely walks into that Man City team. You know, if he'd been there for the last two years, he'd have the same trophies as Phil Foden, 100%. And so it's just, it's just a really annoying argument. And I know I shouldn't have got sucked into it, but it just really annoyed me this morning. <laughs> it really annoyed me seeing it talked about, you know, and I love Phil Foden. I think he's absolutely brilliant. But Saka's absolutely world-class, you know. Maybe Mo Salah is the only other right winger I would have right now in world football playing on the right wing if you gave me any option. If you said Saka or anyone else, perhaps just because of his sheer weight of numbers or what he produces, you'd go Mo Salah. But other than that, Saka's there and he walks into any team. He's world-class. There's absolutely no doubt about it in my mind. And Phil Foden's world-class. They both are. It's that simple. It's all you really had to, Rio had to say. But instead, he sparked this big debate, uh, which I suppose, and I've been sucked into it, but I suppose it's what um, 
I suppose that's what he was aiming for, isn't it, at the end of the day? But let me know your thoughts anyway in the comments below. Okay, actually, moving on, I was going to say, let's move on now, but I just want to talk about Saka because so many of you got in touch and flagged this up, and I just wanted to highlight them all. So, look, here's some of the comments on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see this was in when we were talking about Bakaya Saka yesterday, and someone asked, has he ever scored a header before? And I pointed out he had scored against Sheffield United in 2020 with a header, and I couldn't remember any other ones. And, of course, there was one this season that somehow has slipped my mind uh, away in the win at Bournemouth when he scored after, I think it was Jesus, didn't he, had a header that hit the post and it came back and Saka was at the far post and he nodded it in. And as as you can see on YouTube, all you guys who have got involved telling me that the Saka scored a header. So thank you very much. Once again, you'll uh, point out where I'm wrong as you normally do. So thank you very much for getting involved. Um, so yeah, Saka has scored two headers as far as I'm aware during his time at Arsenal now. Right, this is a really good interview now. If you haven't seen it yet, I retweeted it today. Sid Lowe, brilliant journalist over, writes for The Guardian, based over in Spain, has done a sit-down interview with Kieran Tierney, head of Real Sociedad's uh, game in the Champions League tonight. He's not going to play tonight because he's injured, of course, but he is potentially going to be back for the second leg. Um, it's a really good interview. Like I said, I've retweeted it. I'll drop it into the description below as well for you guys to have a read if you want to. Talks about lots of stuff, you know, life in Spain, how he's adapted over in San Sebastian, how much he's loving it over there, the food, the people, the culture. It's a brilliant interview. He talks a lot about Arsenal as well. Some really interesting stuff about playing the inverted role and being asked to play the inverted role and how alien it was to him. You know, how he tried to do it, but he just could never really grasp it. And how when he spoke to Sociedad and he asked him straight away, what do you see as your left back? You know, what do you want your left back to do? And when they said just bomb, bomb down the flanks and be a traditional left back, he was really, really you know, excited by that. Uh, so he freely admitted, you know, he really struggled with the inverted role. And it was really good to, to read. So I do suggest you listen to it. This was a really um, interesting bit as well. He was asked at the end of the interview about, you know, what does the future hold for Kieran Tierney now? The loan is till the end of the season. We don't know what's going to happen at that point. And he said, um, it's hard to say anything, but I love it here. I loved my time at Arsenal too, and I still have two years left on my contract. So if I'm back there, he didn't finish the sentence, but Sid Lowe said, so it's a win-win situation. And he said, 100%, Arsenal are amazing. They've helped me the last four years, even this season, letting me come here and try this, experience it. They had Kivior's injury and it would have been easy to say, no, we're going to stop it. But they are open, honest and said, on you go for a year. I'm very grateful. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm loving it. I've adapted well. I'm older now, so it was 10 times easier than leaving home for London. There's still time to go, so I hope I can play well and return the faith everyone has shown in me, um, which I thought was some good comments from Kieran Tierney. Now, obviously, the injuries have been a real shame. He's had two bad hamstring injuries now since he's been over there, which have stopped his sort of stopped him in his tracks. He had a good start. He was making a big impression. Then he got the first injury, was out for a while, came back, started to get himself back in the team, back in the picture, and then he got this next injury, again with the hamstring that's kept him out. Um, for a while now, but he is close to being back and hopefully, fingers crossed for Tierney's sake and probably for Arsenal's sake as well, because you think he needs to have a good end of the season. If Arsenal are going to, if a market is going to be there for Kieran Tierney, and I think we all know that ultimately it's very likely that Arsenal will look to cash in on Kieran Tierney this summer and he'll be very keen on potentially moving on somewhere permanently as well. So they need him to have a good end to the season here, play well in Spain, Help them. I think they're playing Lazio tonight. Is it Lazio? No, it's um, Bayern Munich playing Lazio. I can't remember who Sociedad have got. But I'll try and get through this round and get into the further, you know, go deep into the competition, play well, and hopefully raise that market value. But yeah, it's a really good and interesting interview with Kieran Tierney. Like I said, I have retweeted it, but it's also in the description below if you want to click on it and give it a read. It's well worth a bit of your time. Mm -hmm. 
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Elsewhere, good news on Fabio Vieira. Simon Collins at The Standard uh, is reporting today that he is potentially going to be back for next week's trip to Portugal, obviously his homeland. Um, been out for three months now following groin surgery, Fabio Vieira. He's working his way back and, um, yeah, could well be involved in the squad going over to Portugal next week, according to Simon, which is really good news for Arsenal. It's good news for Fabio Vieira. Obviously, he's been very much a bit hit and miss since he's arrived at the club, but look, Arsenal need a strong squad. They need everyone available for the second half of the season. So if you can get the likes of Vieira back, you can get Party back, you can get Smith Rowe back from his ankle problem that was discussed yesterday pretty quickly, then the squad's going to be in really good shape for what's a really busy time of the season. And there's still, there's still a player in Fabio Vieira. You can see it at times just needs to be more consistent. He had a good start to the season. There were really promising signs from Fabio Vieira. Then he started to fall away a little bit. But you do wonder if this groin problem that he was trying to play through for a fair while was hampering him a little bit. Um, you know, Arsenal hoped that he wasn't going to have to have surgery. He carried on playing through the pain for a while in the hope that it was going to sort itself out. It didn't. So they opted to go under the knife. And hopefully when he comes back, he's going to have, you know, be pay- playing pain-free and we can see a really strong end to the season for Fabio Vieira. Because I'm utterly sure there is a player there. And we certainly saw signs of him beginning to spark into life at times at the start of this season before that injury really took its toll. Right, moving on to some of your questions and comments now. Um, yeah, thank you so much for all, all you guys getting involved in the discussion I had yesterday about 10, 10 out of 10 Arsenal performances. I listed just a few off the top of my head. In response to that question, I think it was from Judith yesterday asking about, you know, some 10 out of 10 performances that, who I would given. I think I listed like Arshavin against Liverpool, Henri um, against Liverpool. Um, there was a couple of Sesc against Aston Villa, Henri at the San Siro. There was others as well. If you haven't seen them, you can watch it in yesterday's video. But lots of you have been sort of replying with other ones as well. Um, uh, and yeah, I wanted to, this is one I left out yesterday and I don't know how I managed to leave it out because it is up there with one of the best individual performances I've ever seen, especially given his age at the time and the opposition that it was up against, Jack Wiltshire versus Barcelona. You know, I was there that day, one of the great, great nights at the Emirates Stadium, if not the greatest night at the Emirates Stadium for that win. And Jack Wiltshire's performance will live long in the memory of anyone anyone who was there that night, what he did against that amazing Barcelona side, against that midfield of Iniesta and Xavi, you know, a 19-year-old kid doing it at that level. It was just unbelievable to watch. And yeah, that is 100% a 10 out of 10 performance, as plenty of you have pointed out 
here who've been getting in touch. The Rich, uh, N-K-O-C-Z, uh, Sean's said, I totally agree with your ranking system. The level of opposition and what's riding on the game needs to be taken into account. A 10 out of 10 performance for me is 19-year-old Jack Wiltshire versus Barca. Knockout game in the Champions League, tearing apart arguably the greatest midfield ever assembled. But if he was to have the same exact performance against the mid-table side, I wouldn't argue with anyone giving him a 9 out of 10 or maybe an 8 out of 10. Uh, up the top says N- NKOZ says Jack versus Barca. But another question is it possible to get a North out of 10? Maybe when a player gets a red card after stepping up to a pitch. Yeah, um, I was at Highbury in, I don't even know what year it was. It was early Venga, it's probably about 97, something like that, when Jason Crow got sent off against Crystal Palace in the League Cup about 20 seconds after he came onto the pitch. So that's definitely, that's not out of 10. I don't think you, you can't get anything for there. So it is possible to get a North out of 10. Yeah, 100%. A couple of more of you here. Um, I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce that top, that top one or what that what that is. But you say, hey, Charles, follow up question for you on your player ratings. The entire list of 10 out of 10 historic performances you highlighted had no defensive performances. Are there any defensive performances in Arsenal's history that you would recall deserve a 10 out of 10? What does the defender have to do to get 10 out of 10 for Charles Watts? I would think a good defensive display and a vital goal from a set piece by a defender deserves that a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I tell you what, there's one 10 out of 10 defensive performance that comes to mind. There, there will definitely be other 10 out of 10 defensive performances that come to mind. I can't really think of them off the top of my head, but Per Mertesacker in the FA Cup final uh, against Chelsea in 2019, was it? 28, 20, I can't remember what year it was, 2018. Um, was just an unbelievable performance that day. He came in, he'd not played all season, you know, basically thought he'd retired came in out of nowhere because of injuries and produced that performance against that Chelsea side the champions in fact and against Diego Costa you know holding was fantastic as well holding in the FA Cup semi-final that season against Manchester City as well was just an unbelievable performance from Rob Holding that season uh, but yeah Mertesacker in the final that was an absolute 10 out of 10 you know so that is the per Mertesacker final in my mind because of what he did uh, and then GSNC4JX has enjoyed the talk about 10 out of 10 performances brought back some good memories I would like to nominate Vieira in the match when we won the title at Old Trafford in 0102 my memory of that match was that he was absolutely dominated the midfield that game and Roy Key spending most of the time trying to injure or provoke the significance of that match and the pleasure of winning the title and your biggest back rivals adds to it. Yeah, he was brilliant. But I have to say, Ray Parler was man of the match in that game at Old Trafford. And he, if Vieira deserves 10 out of 10, then Ray Parler does. And it also reminded me of Ray Parler's performance in the um, 1998 FA Cup final at Wembley when Arsenal beat Newcastle 2-0, Ovemar scored and an Elka scored. Ray Parler's performance that day, and he was such a big game player, Ray Parler. He turned it on in the big games. He was absolutely always exceptional. But that performance in the FA Cup final was one of the, again, it's up there with the best individual performances I've seen for a player. He was so unlucky he didn't score at the end when he hit the post after a really great run. He would have absolutely deserved that. So when you're talking 10 out of 10 performances again in an FA Cup final, a game of that magnitude when Arsenal trying to win the double, Ray Parler definitely pulled out a 10 out of 10 performance in that FA Cup final. Okay, moving away from that um, that sort of debate now, we'll move on to one from uh, Mr. Is that Samuel 18 says, Hi, Charles. Now that we are starting Havertz and Trossard, surely Eddie has to be sold. He came on against West Ham and did nothing, committed city fouls and didn't do anything in terms of link-up either. Do you think he would leave come summer? I do. Well, I think there's a good chance. I don't think that's necessarily just because Arsenal are suddenly playing Havertz and Trossard. I think whatever happened, there's probably quite a good chance that Eddie and Ketty will be sold this summer. It was always going to happen at some point. You know, Eddie's not going to, Eddie, I don't think Eddie, as much as he loves Arsenal, I don't think, you know, I think he'll want to go and try and be a first choice somewhere. It's not going to happen at Arsenal. And he's he's stuck around. He's had a really good go at Arsenal. He's been an important player 
for McKenna Arteta. But I think if a good bid comes in for Eddie Nketiah this summer, I don't think Arsenal will stand in his way. Um, and I think Eddie will probably look at it and think it is about time to to move. And I think the fact that Arsenal are going to sign a striker this summer as well, which we all know that will happen, or certainly they're going to try and make that happen, then I think it just makes sense that this could well be the 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 summer that Eddie Nketiah moves on if Arsenal can get some good money for him. We know there's interest in him from Premier League clubs. Crystal Palace have got a long-standing interest in Eddie Nketiah. Um, and it wouldn't at all surprise me if he ends up there, uh, provided they stay up this season, of course. So, um, so yeah, I, I do think that he could leave this summer. I think it's something that could generate Arsenal some good amount of money, potentially. And uh, it feels like the right stage in his career for Eddie to potentially try something new. So I think it's definitely something that could be a theme this summer. Uh, and here's one from Royal Stad says, I know Arteta said Jesus transformed the team and I do love his strength, energy, hustle, but I have come to the point where I believe Trossard should be our number nine. I went back and looked at highlights of his play and he's so creative. He's one of those guys like Saka and Odegaard and others on the team who flow in its magic. Why could we put Jesus, I presume you mean why Why couldn't we put Jesus in Xhaka's old role, let him run his socks off, get the occasional goal and terrorise the opposition in the high press. I mean, it's an interesting debate that that sort of a thought of Jesus playing as a left eight role. I don't think it's not where I would put him. I think he's that good a footballer that he could still do a job there. He's a play, he's a type of player, Jesus. He's that good. I think he can play anywhere. We've seen that he can play left wing, right wing, striker. I'm sure he could play in that left eight role, and I'm sure he caused plenty of problems there. But I'm not sure I'd want Jesus there. I have to say, um, in terms of Trossard being the long term number nine, certainly through to the end of this season. I don't know. I, I think he plays really well there and I think Arsenal are good there. I think he's definitely an option that can be used. But I still really like Gabriel Jesus. You've got to remember his last performance for Arsenal before this latest injury. scored one, set up the other and was man of the match in the win against Nottingham Forest. You think he scored in every every game, I think, in the Champions League so far this season. He's still an exceptional player, Gabriel Jesus. I think what you can see or what we could see is, is Trossard used more in that nine role even when Jesus is fit that would then give you the option of potentially playing Trossard at nine. You could move Jesus out to left wing or right wing. You could rest one of Saka and Martinelli. That's the sort of thing I would like to see more. Just a little bit more rotation in the starting 11 at times, rather than just if Jesus is fit, he plays at nine and Trossard plays out wide. I think Trossard has been underused in that nine role. I think it's his best role. I think we saw that again against West Ham. I think whenever he plays that, he plays it really well. I don't like him in the left eight. He's fine out wide, but He's very, very different to Martinelli out wide. I just think when he plays centrally and he's in and around the edge of the penalty area, he's such a good finisher. His movement's so good. I think it's his best position. I really, really do. So I'd like to see him playing it more, even when Jesus is here. And like I said, one day you can leave Trossard on the bench. Another day you can play Trossard as nine. You can play Jesus out wide and you can rest one of the wingers. That's the sort of thing I think Mikel should do a little bit more. Mix things up. Gives him the opportunity to rescue players because we've seen how good Jesus can be when he plays out wide. He's very, very good there. He was excellent there for Man City. He's been excellent there when he's played there at times for Arsenal this season. So I think it's definitely an option that could be explored and could be used a little bit more between now and the end of the season. OK, that's it from me today, everyone. Thank you very much for your time. As always, anything you've agreed with, disagreed with, please do let me know in the comments below. Should have said at the start of the show, I'm going to try. It's not a definite yet because I've got the joys of half term and I'm looking after my kids. Um, but I'm going to try and sit down with James Benz later on today to record Inside Arsenal Extra Time. If we do manage it, it will be about 4 p.m. UK time that we'll be able to record it. Um, 
It might not go out until tomorrow, Thursday, though. I haven't decided yet. But anyway, if you want to get involved in Inside Arsenal Extra Time this week, if you want me and James to discuss anything, then please do reply in the comments below, as usual, with extra time at the start, and then your comment, your question, your opinion, whatever it is you want us to discuss. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Appreciate your time. As always, have a very good Wednesday. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 